VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, how do dogs from puppy mills keep winding up in pet stores? through a complicated shell game breeders use to hide the dog's origins. We're talking about the newest season of Smokescreen, Puppy Kingpin. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, my friend and co-podcaster, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, fellow cat person, Toby Ball. (gasps) Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. We forget that Toby has three cats. I mean, I feel like we need to like remind people of that. You know who doesn't forget that? Who doesn't forget that? Me? No, me. (laughs) (laughs) But you have that nice orange boy cat. He's so nice. They're all nice. Uh, his uh, name is oh, Hunter. Nice. Hunter. Uh, I like the orange yes, cat. Yes, but we've all seen Toby's evolution into a future dog person with his nephew dog, oh, Clancy. Clancy is Clancy. very cute. Yes, mm-hmm. he's been spending time with at Lake Winnipesaukee. Uh, how is Clancy doing, uh, Toby? Clancy, as they say, is full of beans and prunes. He's, oh. a, he's about to get that. Yeah. The boomers? Uh, my mom, I think. Okay. Oh, literally. Uh, she she okay. won't the say boomers. piss and vinegar. That's oh, why. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Um, Ball doesn't have a dirty mouth. Like, yeah, know. he's about to get fixed, so things are about to change for young Clancy. Mm. Yeah, um, a lot of ways. No which, going back. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun. Mm. Well, every time you post a photo of him, I tweet, tweet something to you along the lines of, Toby, it's clearly time for you to get a dog. And you say something like, I prefer to borrow other people's dogs or like spending time. And it's just not true. You just need a dog. I just think that you should get one. And especially now that you're no longer working out of the home. Um. Yeah, I'm not getting a dog. <laughs> the sales pitch is not working, Kevin. That's it's not, not working not. on me. Try harder next time. It's very All resistible. Right. It's not. They're just not Cats resistible. are easy. You can like leave them overnight. They're fine. You know, hmm. dogs, you need to be there. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Now, we cannot be talking down about the dogs on this episode. Nope. Oh, Gotta be oh, building sorry. up the oh, dogs. That's sorry. Right. Yeah. I, for, I That's totally right. forgot what we're talking about. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, before we get into the topic of this episode, do you want to tell us what's coming up on next Monday's podcast? Yeah, we're going to be talking about the new podcast from Wondery, The Execution of Bonnie Lee Bakley. Okay. 
Remember Ex- the Robert Blake story? Yes, execution, eh? Yes, the execution. Was Bonnie Lee Blakely the president of the United States? I don't know. When you put a gun right to somebody's head, that sounds like execution well, style. It's funny. There's I, all the other styles. Remember, all there's the I gangland know, style. I there's know. the execution I, style. I do feel like the E word does get thrown around quite you know, Rebecca, I didn't fancifully. produce. I didn't produce the podcast. All right, I didn't okay. get to name it. All right. I mean, it's a murder for sure, but you know, I don't know. Execution. I, I haven't listened to it, but because it's wondering, I'm assuming there's a hell of a theme song. Yes, yeah, true. Maybe a hand on the uh, cover of the. No, oh, just, they don't do that anymore. No, just for their medical ones. That's old timey wondering yeah. stuff. Okay, so that's coming up on Monday's show. All right. Well, I guess that's something to look forward to. So I think that we should just get to our topic and uh, drop that first clip. What do you think, Kevin? Do it. All right, leading off. I went up and went to pet the dogs because that's what you do when you love animals. And I remember the breeder stopped me and was like, no, 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 no. Don't put your fingers in the cage. We feed the dogs hot dogs. They might bite your finger off. Pet store owners tell buyers their puppies come from reputable breeders and humane kennels. But verifying that is challenging because the dogs are often supplied by brokers who act as middlemen between the shops and shady puppy mills. What they would do, it appeared, is that they would simply, you know, on paper, instead of of the dog being brokered through the for-profit Jack's puppies, they would launder the puppy through the what we allege was a sham nonprofit. Jolyn Nothi is at the heart of a multi-million dollar shell game involving commercially bred dogs and dubious paperwork. This broker allegedly engineered a complicated scheme to launder puppies and deceive buyers throughout the country about where their new pets actually came from. She is now facing multiple lawsuits. She's this kind of Oz, behind the curtain, pulling the strings, trafficking in puppies. The more I investigated, the more I started to discover the layers of deception and misdirection a consumer can face when they just want to make sure they bring home a healthy puppy. In the new season of Smokescreen from Neon Hum, Puppy Kingpin pulls apart the scheme to circumvent laws against trafficking animals from puppy mills to unsuspecting consumers. Host Alex Schumann introduces us to the advocates, pet owners, and prosecutors trying to shut down a racket that rewards cruelty and deception. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Smokescreen, Puppy Kingpin. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down review. Lara Bricker? Yes. Like me, you have a difficult time coping with listening to stories about animal cases, right? I do. What is the difference uh, between listening to stories about cases about people and listening to the stories about cases about animals? Because I know there's a difference for me. I've never quite been able to put my finger on what it is, except that maybe it's because animals can't articulate what's happening to them or understand what's Mm -hmm. happening to them. But what is that difference for you all about? Yeah, I think that was is animals are more vulnerable to me because I feel like they, when they are victims, it's like they are victims that can't really do anything about their situation. They can't speak up. And I'm an animal lover. And so I feel like I have a lot of empathy when there are cases with animals. And when I was a defense investigator, I actually was like, please, no animal cases. I, I, I can't stomach it. Like seeing pictures of animals that have been tortured or hurt, or I just, it's really hard. I mean, there's a way to sort of try to 
desensitize yourself to that when you're involved in it. But for me, I just like when I was doing it as a, you know, career as an investigator, I was like, I just I can't do that in an objective way. But with this case, there was enough rage inducing material combined with the fact that we have people who are actually doing something to make a difference. So I was able to listen to this. And I think they did they reference that god awful commercial that Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, every time that comes on the TV, I'm like, oh my God, like the puppy eyes. I can't take it. But this one, we have characters and we have investigators in this and people that are involved in taking down the animal abusers. And so in that regard, I'm able to listen to this particular story. Right. So, Toby, you sent a note that I thought was very interesting, and I'm not sure the podcast actually tackles it in a way that was satisfying to me, but I do think it is the central premise, and I I would have loved for it to be explored a little bit more, which is dogs as commodities, dogs as things, dogs as possessions, dogs as, as merchandise. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing about them being dogs, that really affects the way I think they handle them. You know, if it would have been gold bars or whatever, I mean, they're in a warehouse. I mean, I don't think they're taking a whole lot of care into making sure they're happy and stuff. And that really mostly what they're trying to do is how do you get from having a whole bunch of dogs to having a whole bunch of money? And how do you skirt regulations that are put up in your way? How do you keep the dogs in sort of a saleable condition rather than a condition that in which they are healthy, both mentally and physically. It just kind of struck me early on that that was the case. But for me, like everything kind of flows out from that, right? And you get a few people who are really concerned about the well-being of the animals, but that's not really the people who are in the actual business that they're investigating. Mm -hmm. It's the other people who are trying to end the practice, essentially. Right. I guess what I'm talking about is the thing that is sort of, I mean, they address it kind of, but is like what a volume business this is and has become. Because the bottom line is like the designer puppy industry in particular, right? The rise of the doodle and the rise of the poo and the rise of all of these dogs that everybody in particular wants. Like before that, it was like the Labrador Retriever and the Cocker Spaniel and all that stuff has really given birth to this new era of puppies as commodities. Like it's something that we've seen. And then the advent of COVID, obviously, this is a lot of the stories reported before COVID has made it really explode. Like this is something that we experienced, Kevin, because we got our dog Briscoe literally the day like that everything was shutting down like march 13th 2020 we yeah, got it was saturday but yeah, yeah he costs and i'm not i'm just gonna say it 2200 dollars, which is a lot of money right wow that same dog if we had bought him three months later would have been five thousand dollars no doubt mm-hmm. i mean i we know we know one of our listeners well that's the market that that right. is the market, but that shows dogs are commodities. They are like, and it's yeah. and like the, it's like the, but, the supply and demand. But the bottom line was the supply was the same two months after we got Briscoe. It's that they knew they could charge more yeah. because at the moment it's just like a well, commodity. The reason you know to answer Toby's rhetorical question about you know like well, how is this different than gold bullion or something like that? It's still a commodity. The difference is the buyers. That market is different because people will treat the purchase of a pet 
much differently than they would a car or a major appliance or kind of investment like that. And it's because of that, in part, why they're able to skirt the attention. So three cheers for Mindy, who we hear in the beginning with her three-ring binder. The issue is that pet owners weren't more curious about where their dogs came from, right? They would take it at face value, the assurances of sellers. And even if you took a look at the paperwork and you did sort of that next level investigation, the paperwork seems legit. It takes somebody to go through and really do a forensic accounting of this paperwork to realize that all these dogs are going to the same broker and the paperwork is just getting redone. And just like money laundering, they are puppy laundering. And it's the fact that a lot of people, you know, I don't want to support a puppy mill. Say, no, this wasn't from a puppy mill. Great. That's all I need to know. But the bottom line is you are you are looking at the puppy when you are making this decision. Oh, right? sure. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, you're like, okay, this puppy is alive and it's in front of me. The puppy's not going to be unborn if I don't buy it right now, right? And as as our vet says, it's not a dog's fault where it came from. And that is a mindset that buyers have too. Because once they're making the decision, if they didn't know that their dog came from a puppy mill when they went to look at it in the first place, once they're there and they're looking at that dog in the face... That's the moment of decision. Yeah, but that, that isn't the part that is really the problem here, no, right? No, but that's it's the manipulation that... part. That's the manipulation part, and that's the part you hear about in the store. The audio is a little muddled, but you can hear her say, we're not allowed to use the term breeder anymore. We're no longer allowed to use the term breeder anymore. But it's like you work with a rescue organization that like vets the breeders and stuff. Pretty much. The investigator asks, you work with a rescue organization that vets the breeders? And the employee answered, Pretty much. That's and that's what the point of purchase people are doing when they lie and say, like, this dog came from a shelter because they know when someone Mm -hmm. is looking a puppy in the face. That's why they do things like give out those credit cards with the 400 percent interest rates, because they know when someone is looking a puppy in the goddamn face, they will make a decision that they would not make if they were making a rational decision with other kinds of purchases. Like we know that that's true. Right, Laura? It's not the same as buying something else. It's not the same as buying a sweater. It's just not. No, I think, it, and it goes to all animals. You know, I grew up on a horse farm and I, I spent uh, a lot of time as a child and teenager going into horse auctions, which were a very similar sort of clearinghouse for horses and ponies. And it was the same sort of thing where it would fly under the radar and there was like this sort of nostalgia that people, do, oh, these horses have come from out west. And like, oh, these horses came from a cattle ranch out west. And it was like, actually, these horses came on a double-decker tractor-trailer truck from out west where the ones on top are pissing and pooping on the ones below them. And they have accidents. Like I remember one time like this thing crashed and these horses came in with like you know, their tails off and everything. And again, it's like that same thing. We're going to sign their health certificate and they're going to go to another state and now they're going to be sold. So it's animals. And and it is because people feel if they're an animal lover, they feel this like empathy for animals. They want to help the animals and they forget that like, and it's hard because it's a cycle. It's like, we know where they came from, but now they're here and we can save them from that. But that's only continuing the cycle, like yeah. you said. So it's just crazy. I, I want to talk about the vet who signed freaking 300 health certificates in one day. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's on that. I mean, that person, a vet is like a doctor, right? Don't they sort of yes. like they have an O? Oh, they they have, actually are a doctor. They, yeah. But no, they are. They are. <laughs> but they are a doctor with a responsibility to of care. Yes. And so I think that was one of the parts that really I was like, 
oh, because I'm like, you know, it's it's disheartening because we've listened to Dr. Death and we've listened to these stories where doctors do things they shouldn't do. And we've heard about pill mills and everything. But again, I don't know what it is about the animals. and I know we keep saying that, but like when you hear about a veterinarian who is supposed to be there for like the welfare of the animals signing 300 certificates a day for these dogs. How the hell can that vet even have done any kind of exam of that dog? They can't. They, they just look it. at them did by it. sight. They're like, sign the paper. Sign. How, can they that dog live, how can that vet live with himself? But he probably has a freaking stamp, 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 stamp. But I think that was it. It's like, well, how much a the- thing do you think he gets? He's getting paid by the yeah. certificate. So it's like cogs in the wheel that are continuing this. And it's sad, you know, because there is a difference when you look at this, like what they were calling, you know, this this sort of puppy laundering situation where you have JoLynn, fuck JoLynn, and Jack's puppies and her her like fake charities. But then you have another case where we have like a legit animal hoarder. And that to me is a very different scenario because it's a different sort of mental health situation that isn't necessarily the same thing that we're seeing with JoLynn. I mean, do you guys, you know what I mean? As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. All right, so Kevin, I think it's time for you to do what you do best, and that is doing Sit, your heal, speak. <laughs> That's doing. You ready, Kevin? Yeah. Ready to do your business? <laughs> it's time to do your business. Time, Kevin, time to do your business. Let's do this your business section, Kevin. Hold on, I gotta turn. I gotta turn around. I gotta face north. There we go. Facing <laughs> north. You scratch backwards with your legs. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So right now on Patreon, you can listen to the Crime Writers on After Show. This week we were talking about Rebecca's own dog cult experiences when we went looking for a new dog yes you already did a little bit of research we don't know if if jack's puppies was involved we don't think so was not involved but i did we how do you know i did encounter some cults legit yeah and we're also going to be talking a little more uh behind the scenes uh true crime controversies as well as the uh, conviction of justin ross harris being overturned I also want to let folks know that because of our summer schedule, which is coming up, that we are going to be doing something special, which is that in July, our Patreon members will be able to join our recording Mm. by Zoom. So it's pretty easy to get in and you can watch us all screw up 
Nice. And, you know, make mistakes and yell at each other. Yeah. It's like a webinar. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those uh, chefs open kitchen thing, right? Where you can yes. see them burning themselves. And, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Except worse. Except way, way worse. <laughs> so be looking for that information uh, just for folks on Patreon. Also want to let you know that yesterday... Worst webinar ever. <laughs> worst webinar ever. <laughs> no raising your hand. Everybody comes in muted. <laughs> well, in a webinar, everybody does come in. You're going to do a webinar setting, not like Zoom setting. You're going to oh, do yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah. We're okay. gonna, we'll have it fixed <laughs> okay. by then. Okay. And lastly, uh, over at these are their stories. The Law and Order podcast, our latest episode came out yesterday, and we're talking about SVU season twenty, episode eleven, plastic. This is the one where the plastic surgeon and his beautiful girlfriend are drugging women and filming them having sex with them, and the girl tries to explain the video of a woman in pain by saying, "No, she's orgasming." Orgasming, <laughs> as a verb. Yeah, as a <laughs> verb. And, she, and then she says. It was a big one. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> anyway. Some some huge orgasming going on. Yeah, orgasming. Wow. Orgasming, yes. <laughs> My goodness. They had a fun time in the writer's room that day over at SBU. It sounds like they had to have a compromise with uh, standards and practices over language. And that it's was kinda, a really yeah. good episode. Who was our guest for that episode, Kevin? That was Josh Dugan from the uh, podcast... Munch my Benson. Yes. He watches everything on TV. That was a very fun taping with him. It was. It was. All right. So, Kevin, uh, do we have, I have to ask before we wrap up the uh, business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Diana Saylor and Paul Pendergast. Bless you. Yeah. Bless you, Paul. What a great last name you have. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And, Kevin, does that send the business section? That sends the business section. I'm going to fade that music out. Right now. Woof. So, Kevin, the podcast did differentiate between different kinds of mass dog breeders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the giant puppy mills with 300, 400, 500 dogs in tiny cages, just pumping out puppies as young as like when they're four months old or whatever. But they do do this episode about a breeder who basically gets in over her head. She does have her dogs taken away from her. But it's a different kind of situation that gives you a different kind of look into how these situations can happen. What did you think about that episode? Well, it was, good. It was a nuanced look at it, right? Because, you know, I guess you would say animal neglect is animal abuse. But again, I think maybe making this a distinction there, what was happening in this breeder puppy mill There was a lot of neglect, you know, that she was not taking care of the dogs and the dogs were acting up and biting one another. And this is why authorities needed to come in. So we have a search warrant that's going to allow us to come in. Okay, It's going to allow us to look at all the dogs and then it's going to allow us right now to seize them all temporarily until they can go through the, the medical team and the behavioralists and all of that. Veterinarians are going to check each dog to help determine if Barbara should be allowed to keep any. But part of her deal was that she's a little bit like a hoarder. And I think one of the investigators even used that. But she'd been doing it for 20 years. And even though she started with seven dogs or whatever, they're breeding, they're multiplying. This is what you're doing. I just, did we ever like sort of get to the question about what happens to the dogs that you don't sell? Well, this is very much, Toby, this is like the huge center of a huge case that we had here in New Hampshire with a woman with the Great Danes in Wolfboro, right? Like, 
Authorities went in. She had like 90-something Great Danes. She lived in this like million-dollar home. She's been the, at the center of this big criminal case. But it's it's very similar. She claims she loved all the dogs. They all had names. Yeah, she bred them for years and years and years. And the Humane Society and the ASPCA is like, this is a criminal activity. The dogs were not returned to her. Some of them had to be put down. They were adopted out. What did you think about sort of the subtleties shown in this episode? Because they were Samayids, right, that this woman was was breeding. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, in some ways, it seemed like the most, like, person-centric thing where it was really focusing on this woman. And it seemed like there might be some mental health issues going on, but she clearly didn't know how to put the brakes on things or how to put the brakes on things in a way that was meaningful so that she would, you know, the shelter said, we'll take some dogs. And so she'd pawn off like the sickly dogs and the dogs that were unwell or, or runty or whatever. Crazy uh, like a fox, Toby. Yeah. So, you know, I think offered help. She took advantage rather than, you know, sort of a good faith thing. And then at the end when they take the dog, she's like, well, you're not going to leave me with any. And she kind of negotiates like eight or nine dogs to get left with, which again, that just seems insane to me. But um, there seems like there's quite a bit of difference between that and Jack puppies, which is, you know, an out and out just business of just pumping out dogs where it seems like in this case, once this woman's husband died, like she just didn't have the manpower or c- capability of keeping these dogs from, I guess, having sex with each other and producing puppies. But um, so she ended up with a bunch. Yeah. So, Laura, um, states started banning the retail sales of dogs from commercial breeders in pet stores, right? Um, Some places, some municipalities ban the sales of dogs in pet stores, period. Uh, But we hear that Chicago bans it. We hear that California bans it. So in response, Joe Lynn at Jack's decides to set up a nonprofit quote dog rescue which is just jacks operating as a dog rescue doing exactly the same thing same vet same certificates and so that these uh pet stores can say no this wheaton terrier this cockapoo this labrador retriever this golden doodle came from a quote rescue i know we have four of these puppies that all look beautiful or whatever but they came from a rescue by the way I have a lot to say about rescues generally, people that operate so-called rescues and scam people. I've experienced it myself to an extreme, even people that are operating what look like legitimate rescues and like actually have rescue dogs scamming the hell out of people. I know there are a lot of lovely rescues out there, but rescues themselves can be a huge freaking scam. But this is beyond the pale, what this woman did. And it is a fraud. I think that Mindy is very smart to present this in the face of the talking point of animal rights activists are, quote, crazy, to just present this as a straight issue of fraud. What did you think of this part of the story? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the level of sophistication that we see by F. Jolyn, that's what I'm going to call her there, (laughs) when she is going through these, like, you know, to evade the regulations, the fake rescue, she's got Hobo Canine Rescue, Rescue Pets Iowa. She sets these two up. So now it sounds like they're coming from a rescue. But I think the thing that was even more just crazy to listen to was when they were about to crack down on them in her state and then they set one up in California. They're just like one step ahead of where the authorities are looking. But back to like banning of the retail pet sales, because the thing is, 
rescues are full. If you look on any of our local, like, reputable rescue websites, they have animals often that need homes. There are so many animals that come through rescues. And it's it's interesting to me that then there's people that still have this sort of aversion to getting a pet that way. Like, it's somehow, like, beneath them. Like, I was actually, I was at a party, like, a couple weeks ago, and this lady's like, oh, I want a kitten. And I was like, oh, you should go check out this organization. They have uh, feral feral kittens. She's like, oh, I don't want a feral. And I'm like, if you get them as a kitten, they're they're fine. And actually you're they're doing just cats. Like, yeah. They're just cats. And she's like, no, they're not. They're ferals. And I'm like, no, you, you're not listening to me. You know, people's misconceptions about animals and about the animal industry and about the rescue industry sort of perpetuate the cycle. But freaking A, F. Joe Lynn and, and like this scheme that she and her people were able to do. And I think one of the parts that stuck out to me as I was listening to it was like when they were like, oh, hey, Rebecca, I've got 35 dogs this week. Can you help me out? Exclamation. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. I'll help you out. Like, no, um, what are the dogs? Where'd they come from? Blah, blah, blah. Because it was just clearly, it's like transactional. And that really came through. Hmm. So Kevin, what do you think about that talking point? Animal rights activists are just extremists stirring up trouble. Yeah, it's a cheap talking point, but it works in some circles, though. You know, like your average dog owner may not identify, you know, as, a, as an animal lover, they may not identify as an extremist or whatever, but the average dog owner will oppose these kind of operations if they know about it, if they know that this dog is coming from a puppy mill or a disreputable breeder, they will not support that. That is part of the problem that they've obfuscated the lineage and, you know, the origins of, of all these animals. And part of the problem is, you know, we find out later in the podcast about the ineffectiveness of, you know, government regulators and that, you know, the agricultural big ag, you know, that, that lobby there that they are worried that by putting like these protection laws on puppy breeding, that it's one step away from regulating livestock if in a way. If dogs, then hogs. If dogs, then hogs, right. Which I think, you know, in certain parts of the country is a very powerful talking point, which is why I think you have to, you know, pivot to this being a consumer protection issue. If you are saying that this is a purebred dog or it comes from a certain place and it doesn't, that's just fraud. So use the force of those laws instead of like tangling with the agricultural lobby who will oppose these other efforts as a consumer protection. And I think this is where when we hear from the prosecutor that this is kind of where they go. It's not just about the way that the dogs are treated. They are perpetrating a fraud upon the consumer by doing all of this. What about then the situation like this? What if there's a pet store that says all of these dogs are from commercial breeders? Do you still want to buy them and still makes them commercially available? That's that's honest. Are you asking me? Yeah. Or- I mean, how is I mean, that's that's now taking the fraud out of it. Right. All these puppies are from Jack's puppies and commercial breeders. Well, that is not going to happen. But I guess if it did, then you would argue, well, the market's going to be that people are going to look and say, oh, you mean a puppy mill? Well, then I don't want those dogs. I'm going to go someplace else. Well, then, though, then the, then the people are going to say the animal rights activists are the one who told you that puppy mills are bad. So uh, now you're in the yeah, same I, cycle all over again. You see what I mean? I, I guess. But yeah. So I'm just I'm just saying, like, they're always going to point to 
people saying puppy mills are bad is the problem. Well, this is why this crime is so, and it is a racket. Yeah. This is why this crime is so ingenious is that it just really takes somebody who knows how to move the shells around the board. Yes. So, okay, here's the paper. He says, no, it's a good dog. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a dog that was came from a, you know, a pristine farm upstate you know it's no that's where they go later oh they go later yeah right right. (laughs) so they go out to pasture so toby um i have to just say one thing and i'd like your um your take on this as somebody who is a wordsmith is the phrase puppy laundering not the most adorable crime name we have ever covered on this podcast um yeah it's it's quite (laughs) it's quite a euphemism The picture that comes to mind is not what's actually going on. (laughs) (laughs) I just keep thinking, Kevin, about every time I go on one of my hikes and like Briscoe or Stuart rolls around in something and I have to take them to the dog wash, which we, by the way, we do have a dog wash in our town. It's like a car wash, but for dogs. I'm like, is this puppy laundering? Is this what it is? No, it's like Ruth from Ozark. You know, instead of money laundering, they're puppy laundering. Yes. What the fuck, Marty? <laughs> a golden doodle? I don't know fuck about shit. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the latest season of Smokescreen, Puppy Kingpin? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? Yeah, I, I think this is this is a thumbs up. I was afraid when I heard we were reviewing this. I was like, oh, God, I really don't think I want to listen to this. I have a hard time with animal stories. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. But that being said... This is a story of the horrific things that are going on in puppy mills and, you know, puppy laundering. But it's also a story of people that are taking that on and how they're raising awareness of that and changes that have been made so that's not happening anymore. So I hope that what comes from this podcast is some awareness of people of where, God, this sounds like eating local. Where does your food come from? Where do your puppies come from? This awareness of, when you are looking online for a dog or, you know, going to a pet store, maybe that puppy did not come from a really healthy environment. And, you know, buying that puppy is only continuing a cycle that is really horrific. So hopefully the, the awareness piece comes from that. Um, so I'm, I'm a thumbs up on this. Toya Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Smokescreen Puppy King Pin? 
This seemed kind of long to me, and I feel as though there's probably more to this issue than we got. I mean, there was such a focus on this one place, you know, Jack's puppies, how they work, how they skirt around different laws and regulations. I mean, there's like these little sort of side journeys that I generally found was just as compelling, if not more so than the main story. So I, I kind of wonder if they had expanded their scope a little bit, told some other stories, uh, and ha- we had sort of a better picture of like the different kinds of operations, just just get the whole spectrum. Given that that didn't happen, it just seemed like it, to me, like there was just, it just went on and on about stuff that seemed not real different than stuff that had happened two or three episodes ago. So, you know, it's not bad. Uh, I'm sort of stuck between thumbs sideways and thumbs down, but I'll I'll give it a thumbs sideways just because, you know, it's well put together. The reporting's really good. I just kind of felt like they left a lot of interesting stuff on the table with the way they covered it. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up. Congratulations to Alex uh, Schumann, who this time did not have to do shots with somebody to get to the interview. Remember that from Fake Priest? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, I wonder like what that would be like with the, you know... Here, you know, your dog, woof, woof. No, yeah. okay. Uh, in any event, I, I really liked this. It's a crime that I knew nothing about, so I learned an awful lot. I thought it was fascinating. You know, what also makes it compelling is that it seems to be very little that can be done to stop it, only because it is very easy for the bad actors to make quick little changes that keep them one step ahead of the law and of consumers. I think that people who are dog lovers, when they get their dogs, they certainly like to think that, you know, they came from good stock and that they were treated well before they came to the store for many reasons, um, because you want a healthy dog and you want a, a dog that, you know, was not abused in any way. You just realize the lip service that can get paid to answering that question at the retail level. And that, you know, without the investigation, without the people sort of digging in and showing there's a big scam when it comes to this, and it's right in front of us. I, I congratulate uh, the team here because I thought they put together a really great case. Okay, so I am very torn, okay? I'm a thumb sideways. Here's why. All right. I'm really glad the podcast exists, and I'm really glad the story exists. But I have to agree with Toby. I think it was a mistake to focus it only on Jax. I really do. There's too much Jax. Jax, 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 Jax. There's so many aspects of this story that this, with all the time. What's the title of the podcast? It's called Puppy King Pin. However, there are so many other kingpins in the puppy world. There are. There are the store owners. There are the wackadoodle cult people who also have weird ass puppy scams there are so many you listened all seven episodes right i did okay i did but it didn't even but it that didn't get really into that as much as it could have i mean there's so many puppy kingpins there's so many there's the whole puppy finder website where you can find so many of of these kinds of things i just i feel like there's so many aspects to this story um to focus that solely on jack's was, um, I mean, just look through Mindy's binders, right? I think they could have had like three or four really interesting targets. And the Jax thing was repetitive to me. 
like hearing about the same class action suit so many times like you already heard about the two well here's a third one it's like that was like three episodes ago that i heard about the two that's my issue it just felt stretched so this should have either been shorter or there should have been different kingpins in addition to jack so i I really feel bad though because i really liked it but not enough to give it a thumbs up because it, it got kind of boring for me at the end if that makes sense you know what i mean so I got to give it a thumb sideways. Thumb sideways for me for this, even though I love that it existed and the parts that I liked, I really liked a lot. All right, well, we should probably end it there. But before we do, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do have a cat of the week this week, but it is in fact a dog slash crossover crime of the week situation. Oh, really? All right. That's all we need more in this podcast, dogs and crime. <laughs> is, there, is there a kingpin involved? Sherry Druckman roberts Sherry is a member of the Brichter Scale, and there's a beautiful picture of her dog in, like, one of the inflatable dinghy boats. They're going out to a lake, and Sherry says, Husband Dog and I rent a cabin in a fairly isolated small lake in western Washington state. This trip, we bought a small nine-foot inflatable fishing boat. While we were having dinner one night and washing the dog who had just jumped in the lake, someone stole our boat. Stole our boat. Wow. This seems so unbelievable. But they just left my husband's fishing pole and took the boat. She's trying to wrap her head around this and disappointed that the last three days of their trip where they weren't able to go out on the lake or do anything because their boat was gone. But the dog is okay, but is pretty pissed off too. So um, that is our cat of the week this week well that sounds like a thief of the week but uh lara bricker folks want to reach out to you and submit their crime slash pets it could be any kind of pet to be cat of the week of course they can email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com or put it on our facebook group but if they want to tweet to you how can they do that they can find me at lara bricker on twitter and toby ball folks want to reach out to you on twitter and make their case that you should in fact in the future get a dog especially now that you're working at home how can they find you on twitter at toby ball nh but it's not going to happen, is it, Toby? It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you on Twitter and say, hey, Kevin, can I see you a picture of you with your dog? How can they find you on Twitter? Anytime at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to see lots of pictures with me with my dogs, you can definitely follow me on Instagram because they're everywhere, at Reb Lavoy, or on Twitter at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community on Facebook in our Facebook discussion group. Just search for Crime Writers On on Facebook. You'll find our page and then hit join the group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get all the extra podcasts we have back there. Kevin, it was like 300 episodes back there, right? Just about. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the dog-loving Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is the dog-loving Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we always give our dogs tremendous amounts of love on behalf of all the crime writers thanks so much for listening we will catch you later later in the new season of smokescreen from neon hum puppy kingdom pulls apart this kingpin oh that's right oh that's a completely different yeah puppy kingdom puppy kingdom Kingdom sounds amazing (laughs) come on rex let's let our listeners know should they check out smokescreen puppy kingdom it's a new No, se- Kingpin! Did it again! I tried. I thought I was going to try to say it, and I did it anyway. Jesus. By the way, the puppy kingdom, maybe it's because I want to live in a puppy kingdom. 
the land of puppies. Tragic kingdom. It's a puppy kingdom. Don't speak. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> it's a puppy Look kingdom. Look at Toby's face. Toby's like, oh, God. <laughs> What's happening? Okay. Partners in Crime Media. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions.